Thank you for joining me, Mark Grixtie, for this invitation to explore deeper together into the divinity, science, spaciousness, and intuition of hurt and healing with awe in trauma. So Ruby, Dr. Ruby Gibson, really lovely to see you again, because we were just catching up the last time we met in person directly, probably five or six years ago in Brazil, wasn't it? I think it was in Brazil. <laughs> it's so great to see you, Mark. Thanks for reviewing. We were at the International Brain Spotting Conference, weren't we? The first one ever. And um, I came to your um, your workshop that you did there, beautiful workshop. And I was, I was, I suppose, I was relatively new into brain spotting, and you know, kind of my journey was in a really important place. But when I came to your workshop, I remember to this day, I was just thought, wow. It blew my mind. I don't think I was ready for it quite. Um, I was open to it, but not fully ready to <sighs> fully understand and integrate it. And since then, I've journeyed a lot. And I think, you know, the kind of influence of you, your workshop, what you do and, you know, other key thinkers in the field has really helped me kind of develop a sense of the enormity and the scope of the kind of work we can do if we are... Mm, asking the right questions or allowing the right kind of connections, processes and relationships to happen. So thank you so much. You're uh, welcome. And um, just, just on that note, it, it's a bit of a, an odd, perhaps an odd question, but, you know, people listening to this, this episode may have different levels of understanding of the kind of work we do and the kind of approaches you take. Is there anything that would be useful? Because I'm a big believer uh, in sometimes how we attend to something completely change what comes into manifestation and sometimes to be able to to be able to listen and fully understand already we almost have to have this kind of egoic agreement to be able to allow something to happen to, to be able to open and absorb in a different way so anything that you would feel would be important at the outset just to set a frame I suppose around our podcast yes <clears throat> probably one of the things that might blow people away or be a little bit difficult to digest is, you know, we're looking at 14 generations of inheritance because we all stand at the apex of seven generations behind us and seven generations ahead. And that apex gives us a lot of power because we're standing in, in the center and everything that's happened before us is influencing us and everything we do is influencing the next generations. And so as we become more conscious and maybe, you know, are willing to engage with ourselves that way, we find that we have the ability to not only remember, but to pull forward things that are, that were challenging or things that um, brought us joy, things that were traumatizing or things that were beautiful. It's, you know, it's all wrapped up inside of us together. And it's like our bodies are walking library and it's just full of information. And rarely do we go in there. And 
you know, brain spotting is one of those ways that that we can bring someone to that relationship with their body where they want to go in instead of have someone else determine for them. You know, but in that big scope, in that, you know, it's like, ah, that's a lot, but it's not when when you look at things and we can break that down and talk about it if you want to but mm. it's, uh, yeah i'm just loving what you're saying and relishing it and also noticing in my body a little bit of overwhelm i'm like oh oh me to even remember seven things in a row let alone to be able to work into and process seven generations of information suddenly i feel very disempowered and ill-equipped <laughs> and a bit lost so um, I'm not asking for answers, but help help guide me with that a little bit because these are quite intimidating numbers to be able to work seven generations both behind and ahead of us. Um, yeah, how have you found that? Well, you know, if if we consider a generation is maybe 25 years, then you know, seven generations is what, 150 years ago. It's not really that long. Mm. You know, we're not looking back in the 1700s, you know, a lot of the things that influence us are probably from the 1800s and the 1900s, Mm. you know, who we are today. Um, And how we are influencing, it's, it's really our behaviors, what drives us, our emotional point of view, our compassion, our ability to be self-compassionate and you know, be able to work through. So for me, um, you know, we, we bring somatic archeology, span which is the technique I developed with brain spotting, David Grant's work. And that's what created makes generational brain spotting. Mm. And so the five steps of somatic archaeology are I notice, I sense, I feel, I interpret, I reconcile. And so we walk through each of those steps because they have a neurophysiological um, natural flow that way. So we're really just following the body. You know, it's not about having a conversation with what's happening upstairs because we don't want to bypass the um, sensing and feeling or really the transformative parts of it. You know, and we can't just say, I notice and I interpret, right? We have to notice, sense and feel then we can interpret because we're getting the information from our body before we access our minds. You know, it's a a very um, kind of organic process. It happens really natural and it's kind of like brain spotting and other brain spotting techniques will serve anything like anything that you have going on if it's a spiritual issue emotional relational uh you know traumatic i mean it will help to bring forward 
mm, maybe some of the um, some of the things you've been holding on to, or a person has been holding on to, that um, defines them in some way, and as they break through that through their own awareness by pulling up the roots of that. We're doing kind of an internal excavation. And anytime you excavate something, you have to go slow, right? You have to go carefully because you might miss some little treasure in the dirt, so to speak. So we, we can take our time, go very slow with generational brain spotting because it can bring up a whole collage of unexpected memories and experiences that are holding us and defining us. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really a kind of soul work right. because you're being corrective with yourself mm. and you know and and that's just so empowering for yeah. for anyone it sounds beautifully empowering and, and the word excavation brings up so many images in my mind some of which are exploratory and adventurous others of which as you were attending to there could be very um, aggressive, I suppose, and damaging and scary, you know, excavation in itself can have many meanings, can't it? And I'm just wondering if that ties in with this sense, because it sounds like a very natural process to be working through these generational wounds, issues, resources, whatever we might find on that excavation. But, but do you have a sense of, I mean, what's your position on if kind of these things are being held and carried forth generationally, and there's so, so much kind of, of a natural process within this, why these things aren't kind of resolving themselves as they come up generationally, you know, any sense about why we need to be doing this kind of focus work, like this beautiful work you've kind of developed, um, rather than a kind of natural and spontaneous recovery through time. Well, <laughs> I've been doing this work for more, I guess, on. Um, maybe coming up on 40 years. And I have um, excavated myself thoroughly, <laughs> leaving no stone unturned. I'm, I'm, I've been very focused with myself. I, I wanted to make sure it worked, huh? So you use yourself as your best client. And, and I practiced and practiced and and I kept finding that people had the same response, irregardless of the origin of a trauma or an experience, they had the same, you know, type of response. And so we start with resourcing, resource, 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 because the more you can resource, the deeper that um, memory can can come forward. It's like, just like anything, you know, what's on the surface is the most recent, mm. but buried underneath that, what you're excavating are some of those things that maybe your family didn't talk about, but mm. are knowledge or 
you know, some people have really clear family lineage and history. Some people have been adopted or have lost their, their homelands or their people. You know, there's a lot of different situations, but I believe inside of every human being that they have the ability to cure themselves in that way. And once we teach them the techniques, they can use them on their own you know, doing self-spotting or gaze spotting, you know, um, it's people come out of the generational brain spotting class going, oh, <laughs> you know, because their mind is a little blown and they have really deep personal experiences, but it helps us to understand who we are, why we do what we do, that, you know, sometimes we continue certain patterns that are unhealthy. Sometimes we continue patterns that are really healthy. I mean, it's, but we just have to make an assessment of ourselves. Mm -hmm. This doesn't serve us anymore. It's time to let it go. And how do you do that? You know, it's, it's one yeah. of those ways. And yep. I, I just, I'll have one more thing to just say about this is the fifth step. So we have, I notice, I sense. So I notice what's happening. I sense where I feel it in my body. The emotion, like the more we stay there in that limbic kind of system, that emotion comes forward, which then brings us to our, um, interpretation once we have an interpretation and we understand um, the information that's coming forward we do what we call reconcile or the reconciliation and i think it's a step that's missing in brain spotting sorry david but <laughs> it's just my point of view um because i believe that after someone interprets and gets the, oh, those light bulb moments and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, okay, so what's next? What's next, you know? And I usually will pose a question, something like, who are you when you're free? Mm. Mm. Or who are you when you have no limitations? Wow. And that question in and of itself allows them to go into the frontal lobes of their brain. Oh, yeah. Right? Because we start resourcing at the base of the brain and then, you know, come up to the amygdala and the limbic system and then the interpret up here in our, our thinking brain. But we want to get them in their frontal lobe because that's about looking forward. And if we don't have something to look forward to, then we just remain. Mm -hmm. So we add in that element to help them dream forward into who they are when they're no longer carrying that burden or when a memory has been diffused. You know, we can take the emotional content out of the memory very easily, but you know, it's, um, that memory will still always be there. It just won't have a charge to it. 
So anyways, that's what I want to say. Well, the dream forward, I like that. That's beautiful in expression in itself, that ability to be able to take everything that's happened in the process and also be able to then kind of picture <clears throat> a, a liberated self and how that might look, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Gosh. And how that might feel in your body, you know, the sensation of that. Because it not only liberates the mind, but it liberates our heart, it liberates our being. And, you know, that that feeling of liberation is is really what most people are looking for without maybe being able to name it. But yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, in my life, because I've done so much of this work on myself, I've cleared everything for many, many generations. I've had contact with great grandmothers, with you know, all sorts of people in my past who have had influence on me. And um, it, it, was, it was kind of akin um, to having nothing in my path that barricaded my way. Because after I fully like excavated myself, it was, that's when um, Freedom Lodge got funded to work in um, Indian country here in our, with our indigenous relatives um, on this continent. And um, we've been doing that. And, and that's, you know, that's a whole different kind of historical trauma uh, recovery that we do here. And it, you know, it's really taught me a lot just in, in the seven, eight years, we've been completely focused on uh, here. And we teach all our students brain spotting and generational brain spotting. So they all come out of the class and people who could never afford it, but they need it. And you know, tribal health is terrible. So they, they really need those kinds of things. And um, when I, um, I, I had applied for a job, but all those eight years ago um, as an indigenous program coordinator. And anyways, I was one of the three they were trying to determine. They flew me out to New York, had this big meeting in this high rise. It was a really, really big foundation. And um, they uh, called me a couple of weeks later and they said, Dr. Ruby, we, um, we really like what you're doing, but um, we're going to hire someone for this position with a little more philanthropic experience. And I said, oh, that's okay. I, I understand, you know, um, thanks for, you know, talking to me. And, and they said, but, but we have a question for you. Does Freedom Lodge have a bank account? And I said, yes, it certainly does. And he said, well, we'd like to give you a donation. And I said, so you don't want to hire me. You just want to give me money so I can do what I want to do. And he said, exactly. I said, okay. Um, and the next day, there was $250,000 in our Freedom Lodge bank account. And uh, 
I cried. I dropped my knees because I knew I had cleared out of my way any barriers. There was nothing. I was so a hundred percent completely willing and I knew it was my destiny. Mm. I just so they funded us the first year and I said, thank you. You know, we did this and this and this and this. And uh, they said, um, well, we'd like to fund you again. And I said, well, do you need me to make a budget or something? No, we already know how much we're going to give you. And so uh, they funded us for three years at $1.2 million, which was 400000 a year. And they've done that for we're at the end of our second three-year grant with them. And I tell you, it has made all the dreams come true. We've been able to research and evaluate somatic archeology span within this historical trauma training. We are, um, we're, we're evaluating everything, all of our training models, everything that we do. Um, here because we have this capacity and this ability to to use funding for it so it's I I feel so blessed as I just want to say you know I know it's a new year but for me the past seven eight years have been amazing experience financially so fulfilling and spiritually I feel like I'm you know, on, on a whole different dimension, because it's no longer just me. There's an, an us, you know, and that's why I want to share this work because we all need it. I am so um, passionate about it and engaged with it. And um, I know as all of us brain spotters are, but you know, there's something really beautiful um, about this training, um, in particular, and I, I, we have general generational brain spotting phase one, and I also did a phase two, because people were asking for some deeper, deeper training, on top of it. So we offer a one and a two, and it's um, I can't run them enough, yeah. you know, and. It's just a busy, busy. It's fantastic. It sounds like a fantastic integration and so powerful. And when you were talking there, Ruby, it was reminding me of something, you know, I've been kind of working more into in my own practice. And part of that's my own, you know, clearing, if you like, of uh, all sorts of traumas and generational wounds of of my own. I'm, I'm not claiming that I've got very far or I've excavated it all yet, but I'm on the path. And and But as I'm on the path, noticing something that reflects with a lot of uh, things written in spiritual texts, as well as in certain psychotherapies, that, you know, as you are shifting and moving a lot of this trauma, the clearing means that the kind of vibrational energy around what you do, how you are, how you interact, like going to this thing in New York and ending up with all of this funding for the lodge, which is incredible, just seems to happen much more. There's kind of a lot more openness possibility, you know, as we become more kind of consciously aware, you know, by removing things that I suppose are blocks or maybe inhibitors at some level to meet our full potential. There's this kind of 
secondary aspect that happens of, uh, of a collective nature that can feel very deep and, and fulfilling. <clears throat> Clearly, you've got that and we're a wonderful resource in yourself for the rest of the lodge to, to be able to continue to expand. When you're working with the kind of complexity that I know, because we spoke about this in Brazil, in, in South Dakota and on the lodge there, when you're working with this kind of complexity, um, and I don't know if it's archetypal or, or something like that, but are you seeing a reflection of some of your own journey in excavation, processing and healing in the people you're working with, despite I know some of the immense complexities that are you know, in that region? How's it working uh, for them? In Native America? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's rough. It's pretty rough. We have, um, you know, a lot of youth suicide, which is is so hard on on our community here. We're right off the Pine Ridge Reservation, which is, I think, the or one of the. Um, poorest counties in the United States. It's, you know, everything. It's poverty, it's racism, it's um, early mortality. Uh, I think they're the age, the expectancy is 49 years old. Um, healthcare is bad, uh, diet is bad alcoholism and addiction is really way up and you know we have um a lot of of issues but when you take a genocide or an ethnocide a group that experienced that and it you know genocide works <laughs> ethnocide works it does what whoever you know delivers that it it does it and and then when you rebuild a society you have to rebuild around positivity because um if you're always talking about trauma you know it's uh, nobody wants that and and here you know everyone has a really good sense of humor that's one of the things that Native people have. And so their humor has um, helped, helped us through a lot. And, um, you know, I give a shout out to all our, our Indigenous relatives who are part of Freedom Lodge because, you know, they, they're all on the healthy side and, and wanting to change their communities and, you know, we, we have high rates of childhood sexual abuse. And it's just a lot of kids lost parents during the COVID and grandparents. And um, there's a lot of grief right now, just here um, in general, especially with the kids. The kids are grieving because the parent, they don't, they don't, no one talks to them, you know, they do in schools, but it's just, it's very rural and uh, difficult. We, we have a project here at Freedom Lodge where we um, bring wood down. We have a project called Fire Starters and we cut cords of wood and bring them down to the reservation, to the elders' houses and, you know, give 
give back to them and try and help them keep warm all winter because people freeze to death. It's, you know, their power gets cut off. And mm -hmm. so we, we do everything we can to help um, down there. And yeah. Well, it's incredible. Um, just, you know, how the people you work with is such a resource for the living generations as well. And, you know, when you were saying that, I could, you know, talking about the, you know, kind of somatic connection, I, I could just feel the depth, you know, of grief and loss and this understanding that you, you don't focus on trauma when you're working with so much depth of trauma. And, you know, the thing of you and, and the people you work with there, your, your colleagues, if that's the right word, you know, but, you know, all kind of they're running it, working together and doing this amazing work. You know, I imagine there's a fair bit of self-care that has to happen within that for you and those you're working around you as well as, you know, uh, for the population. Do you, um, do you, do you use things like uh, generational brain spotting with each other, for each other when you're there? Um, in, in the training, the historical trauma masterclass that we do here is for specifically for native people um, and, and the dynamics of that are, are really different from place to place. So we, we had to go online. We used to meet in person, but we had to go online in 2020 huh? because of COVID. So now we do all of our classes online. So we get a lot more people from around, um, even Canada and Mexico. They're political borders, but they're not medicine borders for us. So, you know, we call it Turtle Island and this whole continent is Turtle Island here. And so we figure everyone on this continent that is indigenous is a relative. So we work with um, indigenous Mexicans and uh, tribal members and First Nations in Canada. And so different people have different experiences. Some tribes got worked harder than other tribes, you know? Where we are here is the Ogallala Lakota um, Sioux tribe. And the band here is the one, um, the Sioux tribe was probably the, you know, the, the really big fighters and they were the buffalo hunters and the cavalry came in and ran all the buffalo, millions of buffalo off a cliff mm. so they didn't have any food and they could take, take them to the reservation because they would starve. Mm. Wow. I, you know, there were terrible things. Yeah, yeah this that that was done in, lot, in lots of battles so there's historical stuff but what's going on right now is we're talking about native wellness and how do we move forward into you know out of this sense of feeling traumatized all the time mm -hmm. like create a stronger community so we're looking at cultural rebuilding and trying to, you know, do that. So that's really my, the thing I love about this work and about being able to travel and train is, is helping people rebuild their culture, whatever that is. You know, it can be a big culture, it can be a little culture, but it's, uh, it could be a family culture. 
but you know that that's really part of it is knowing your place mm. within your system yeah because some of us are carriers yeah we just naturally you know will carry things forward and some of some people don't but usually the carriers are the ones who turn out to be the healers because you know it's a carrier is someone who who has all the knowledge and has a set of skills to deal with all the family dynamics you know and uh, and I'm sure that serves them well but why you get to be a carrier or not because some people like in my family nobody else cares about any of the things that I think are really important <laughs> so you know they're like are you still healing Ruby <laughs> yeah but if you guys start doing some healing work that would help <laughs> because then we would have a whole family healing together that's my culture, right? It's trying to get everybody, you know, into that state. And, and it's been working slowly. Yeah. But, you know, some of us are carriers. Some of us just know that we, we're going to be holding on to it. And I just, I was born a carrier. And, you know, whether you get brownie points upstairs, I don't know. Like what would carve someone out to, to be a carrier of all of that, but there's beauty in it and there's power in it. And there's, if you look at it through the right lens and you don't feel sorry for yourself, oh, poor me, I have to carry all this stuff. You know, you'd be like, oh, I'm holding on to a lot. Let's work it. Let's, you know, let's dance with it. A real gift. I mean, a gift that you have, but also a gift that you're bringing and, and you're carrying so much now in the present but you're carrying back seven generations at least and forward seven generations as well and you know that that's wow it takes a real skill to be able to do that i love the way that you're kind of allowing for and, and allowing you know helping people to access that i think about colonization i've been enjoying reading some of vandana shiva's work and that colonization and the way to colonize you know like driving all those the herd of buffaloes off of the cliff and the way to colonize is you clear a place and declare it's got no values and then you can infiltrate all your own values which of course are not going to be those that's in synchrony with the indigenous population but it's really lovely i suppose what i'm hearing you saying which what is warming me inside is people are re-identifying with these values generationally culturally connecting in with certain rituals and you're and you're, you're kind of helping them connect and carry that because that identity is, I suppose, a part of the generational work, isn't it? You know, what we've always done, you know, who we actually are. And, and I don't know, but I can imagine with that kind of connection, you can go back into those rituals that will make it easier to access your generational selves, your, your, your collective generational historical consciousness by doing certain things and rituals. Uh, am, am I somewhere on the right path there? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a... I'm a sun dancer and a pipe carrier in my tradition. And so um, during our ceremonies, the very, very powerful things happen. And um, we do a lot of healing ceremonies and, you know, that's kind of outside the box of brain spotting, but it's still in me. <laughs> so 
you know, it, it kind of overruns its container here. <laughs> but it's, um, uh, I, I don't know, you know, you just show up and then you do what, what your heart is, you know, telling you is the best thing to do. And, um, and if you can love doing it, then yeah. you know, you're helping others. That's, that's been my whole life. As, I mean, the, I knew from the age of 13 that I was going to be a healer. Mm -hmm. And I have spent my entire life on that and only that. Mm. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> I actually did my, um, I earned a master's degree on my own because I had already developed somatic archaeology and I had written the book on it. And they said, oh, you've already done your thesis. If you take a couple of classes, we'll put you right in the doctoral program. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I was just sort of, I'm a kind of a self-starter, I guess. Well, you were amazing, Ruby, and just the way you were talking about borders earlier, and there was geographical borders, medicinal borders, I'm hearing about spiritual borders, perhaps even neurobiological borders, generational borders, but you, you don't let the borders lock you in, you seem to transcend, you're very transcendental in terms of, you move beyond borders, if they're restricting you to a higher self, and I just love the way you went to New York and came back with massive funding, you, you wrote a book, and then got, you know, got given not given you don't yourself a master's without having to to do anything further you mean it's just phenomenal the work you're doing and I even love the borders where you're saying this isn't necessary traditionally brain spotting this is yeah it's all healing isn't it what are the borders there you know the healing is what matters and it just feels like you're so attuned to yourself now and the people working with you that 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 that's your guide you know there aren't really predetermined borders that are going to show you what you need to be doing as a population there mm -hmm. I don't know many limitations here. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, I'm a sacred woman in a lot of ways. And um, I, I pray and, you know, I carry my medicine really good. And so when, um, you know, when we come in, that, like somatic archaeology is the baseline, like the foundation of everything we do. And it's taught in this training here, but brain spotting. Um, Chris, you know, Chris Rank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She comes in and does our uh, brain spotting phase one for the students. And then I do generational brain spotting. So they get that on top of this 200 hour training, you know? So it's, um, yeah, we've got a lot more brain spotters in our indigenous communities now because they could never afford, you know, the cost of the training. So we provide them, we pay for them, provide them free of charge to them. So mm. it's, it's really nice. So moving. And, and if ever I can contribute in any way, um, then it would be my honor to, to come and do so. So just, uh, you, you know, my number, just, just let me know if that's the case. Sure. Um, I, I just um, <clears throat> want to kind of 
just attend to our journey in this conversation it feels really beautiful and organic and it's just lovely seeing how you've integrated so much and i know when i first saw you speak i was like oh what it can you know we can be thinking and using it in this way so i kind of had to get beyond my thinking brain to really start to understand the full potential of the deep embodied work like brain spotting that is possible and since then i've just noticed it fly you know really beautifully you know become more creative expansive and there's just again no real borders anything is possible so so when if those that are listening maybe are grasping just like i was grasping thinking how can i do, how can i do this how can i do this so whether they're grasping as clinicians and you know people wanting to do more work or both because after all what's the difference what's the boundary there when when we're talking about doing um you know doing this generational brain spotting or somatic archaeology and you're talking about you know kind of like the body's a library so we're not having to know exactly what to work on our history what happened with great 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 grandparents all this time ago so just just to simplify it for us as listeners and what might be an access point to do a piece of work like this okay i can give you a couple um so let's look at it through this lens when my mother was in her mother's womb she my mother was born with all the eggs she'll ever have right a woman has well men produce produce sperm every day but a woman has a set of eggs as when she's born and yeah, so i was incubated in my grandmother's womb in my mother's womb so when my mother was born, I was already there, right? In her womb, a little egg waiting. So probably our maternal grandmother has the strongest epigenetic and biological relationship with us. And that's always a good place to start. So I would advise students who are planning to attend to do a little research around their maternal grandmother or their maternal grandfather. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, excuse me. The other thing that you can do is you can brain spot the navel. That's a very good place to draw memory from. Mm -hmm. We um, sometimes people have uh, unresolved dynamics within their family system currently. That's a, the best place to start too, you know, is just kind of start sitting with it and feeling with it and feeling the trail. Where does that come from? Where are the roots of that? <clears throat> you know, and- That sounds nice. And, and something that's quite graspable, isn't it? To understand the current discord in a family and just to feel into that and embody that and then in brain spotting, 
you once you set the frame you use an eye position to really travel and explore in terms of whatever comes up for you somatically in the body right yeah exactly mm. the only thing that's a little um different about my brain spotting is i um i don't use music in generational brain spotting I find um, it's distracting um, for, for me. In other types of brain spotting, it's okay, but generational brain spotting, I, I don't really even do my demos or anything with music. So keep that in mind. Um, and then um, you know, sessions can go a lot of different ways and you know, I, I just look forward to demoing in, in the class that we're having and, um, you know, so people can really experience. So if someone has a specific something in their history that they want to address, mm -hmm. then, you know, they could ask to be a, a demo client. We can do that. <clears throat> I see, yeah. I see. So for instance, here's a personal example that I haven't given many people, but it's out there now. So my, my paternal grandfather, and I know you're, this is, I hear you saying there's perhaps a stronger working lineage on the maternal line, understandably. But my paternal grandfather was in another country and was imprisoned, paternal grandfather, was imprisoned for a, something that didn't go very well. And it, it did some time there. And then he kind of escaped got on a boat and came to another country and it wasn't long before he was imprisoned again. And then he was incarcerated back into prison again. And I don't know too much about the story. It's a bit of a family secret, I think, but I know enough to know it's powerful. And, and, and it's interesting. Oftentimes, Ruby, I get certain feelings and sensations. I've worked a lot on, so I've cleared a lot of my own stuff, but also, you know, it just doesn't feel like it's mine. It doesn't feel like, well, this is an anxiety or a, a fear about something it just feels like it's something that's sitting with me but it's not completely owned by me and um and when I, and I do have some quite strong feelings and thoughts come up activation if you like when i'm thinking about this story and this my grandfather is this the kind of thing i could work on and process from do you say absolutely uh -huh. <laughs> that's a that that sounds like a delightful trail to follow <laughs> <laughs> you might find some interesting things about yourself. Um, but yeah, I think especially for men, you know, the whole like social shame and, you know, following in dad's footsteps or grandpa's, you know, there's so much that really is impressed on men that's not impressed on women. And, uh, you know, patterns to follow and things that you have to do. So, you know, I, I don't really understand all of that as a woman, but <clears throat> I think that that would be a really um, good thing to, uh, to explore for you. Right. Yeah. That sounds lovely. And it, it, I find when I'm trying to think scientifically about lineage, um, it gets to a point where I start to disconnect from my confidence in my knowledge base, like about eggs and sperm and where it comes from intergenerationally. <laughs> but there are other forms of lineage as well, aren't there? There's, there's a spiritual heritage. It's not all the kind of, you know, 
just locked inside. And that seems to free me up to understand a bit more about an energetic transference throughout generations and the way, why wouldn't there be, you know, you know. Well, it, maybe <laughs> some part of you decided to carry that for him, you know, or maybe you were expected to carry that, you know, or maybe you weren't, you know, it's interesting how the shady behavior kind of gets pushed aside and, and it's probably not as bad as everyone thinks it is. It's just been, you know, subdued for so long. Yeah. My, um, <clears throat> my father was adopted mm. and um, he was adopted by a couple who, um, this was, probably in the 1930s. And there was a lot of shame around um, not like adoption and birthing and stuff. So they faked, they changed the birth certificate and made up a story about the delivery and the birth and told everyone it was their baby. And yeah, he wasn't. Um, and the mother, uh, her, my father's mother was born to a couple and, and the dad went off to war. I guess it was World War I, came back with syphilis and died. The woman was arrested, which would be my great-great-grandmother, was arrestedness, arrested for drunkenness and lewdness and put into Sherborne Prison in Boston. And she was put into a prison where the, that was run by a female. And this female officer earned her street creds so to speak, because what she would tell the women in this prison is you have no life. Your life, everything that's happened to you, erase it. You have, this is it. You're here to serve us and to serve people. And, you know, I knew right then that my grandmother was a native woman because they didn't do that with white women, right? They would take um, black women, native women, or Latino, Latino women. I don't know, but anyways, they. She spent her, my maternal grandmother spent her time. Um, in this prison and my grandmother got um, married to someone who didn't want the baby. So that's why she gave the baby up for adoption. And so when my dad always felt so awkward with these people, even though they were his parents, he didn't look like them, he did, you know. When he went off to the army, he, um, they said, sir, um, you have a problem with your birth certificate. 
And so they reviewed it and he found out that he wasn't married, that he wasn't their child and that he had been lied to his whole life. My dad got so mad. He just, he became like, he, I, I don't know, but it was maybe his ego or something. He got very mad. And, um, you know, he was taken off the breast of his mother <laughs> and given to this woman who never had children before. So I'm sure it was really just a bad timing and everything. So my father um, drank himself to death and uh, he died of alcoholism, maybe his mid fifties. And he, um, all my entire life, I thought these people were my grandparents. And when I was giving my mother a massage, because I'm a licensed massage therapist also, I gave my mother a massage. She, she's, I was probably in my 30s. She said, did you know your father was adopted? And I said, mom, <laughs> what? And so then I went to Boston with my brother and we went to social services and on the top of this dusty old building was a filing cabinet. And there was a file this thick on my grandmother because she was a, a social services case. Anyway, every handwritten letter, everything. So we were able to get all that. But by the time we found out my grandmother had passed on, my father had passed on. So we just have this file. But that in and of itself was a huge find, right? And so then I kind of looked through that and, you know, tried to kind of find my way um, memory-wise back into, into some of those things. So, you know, if you have anything in particular that like the, like a story like that, that you're trying to uncover or, you know, you have some family stories about things. I mean, you can bring those forward too, but I would say probably the best way to start um, with generational brain spotting is to start on yourself, right? And if you really get it, then you're going to be able to do the technique better, but you have to kind of meet your own fear about it first, mm. you know, opening that door mm. into, like you were saying, you know, oh, that's a big door. You know, the thing is the technique is very simple and you just keep doing the technique. It's, and it's the questions, it's the kind of way you set up the container that allows this yeah. to happen. Yeah. Mm, this is beautiful. Thank you for that. And just loved your your personal journey there. I could see where the archaeology was all coming together already with these excavations <laughs> up on the top floor of this building and into your father's history. And it's so lovely. And I love the way you bring yourself. You really show up. And you know, in this uh, you know conversation today, you know, it's just it feels it's just so beautifully authentic being with you talking with you learning from you and uh, I just look forward to having some generational brain spotting from you at some point to meet my my grandfather and all of his cellmates in prison <laughs> 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 you 
it had a big impact on me in my teenage years, but luckily I just about kind of managed to, to find another path there. But I know we're almost out of time, Ruby. It's just thanks so much for all the beautiful work you're doing and for sharing in this episode, but obviously everything you're doing there. And if any way I can ever contribute in any small way, then um, just let me know and it'd be an absolute honor for me. Mm. Well, you are welcome anytime. So Thanks. if you come to the States, Mark, yeah. then, you know. Well, I'm able to, <laughs> to travel, I will. And what I say, Ruby, as well, all the kind of things you've referred to, the beautiful work you're doing, things um, will be just down below so people can check those out now. Yeah. Well, thank you for all the good work you're doing at Brainspotting UK. And um, I really respect um I mean, all of our trainers, but I respect you a lot. I have your book and I've been reading it. So um, thank you for your work with kids. Beautiful. Thanks, Ruby. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> have a great rest of your day. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode. And if you're curious to find out more about this guest of the show, then please see their links below. Thank you for joining me for or in trauma. Until next time, bye-bye.